Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. If you have a story of your own similar to this or maybe a different kind, you can send your own at southerncannibal.com. These are some pretty crazy stories, so I hope you enjoy this one. And I feel like I need to give a warning for domestic violence for the first story. It's pretty crazy. All that being said though, I hope you enjoy these stories. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. And remember, to always stay hungry. This took place in the late 1990s, not too long after I graduated high school. A little backstory first. I met this guy when I was about 14 or 15. He was older than me. I never really knew his age since he often lied to me about it, but he was at least a few years older than me. He became my off and on summer fling slash romance for a few years. Nothing really serious. When I was a senior in high school, we connected during the winter one night and he asked me to be his girlfriend. I did like him a lot, so we started dating full time. He was sweet. I missed most of the red flags, like him worrying about all the other guys in class noticing me if I wore a dress or something. Right after my 18th birthday, we moved in together. I was still in high school and I had an after school job, so I thought I could handle it. Plus, I thought it would be a helpful life partner and we could get a life together. I was wrong. I graduated high school and ended up getting two jobs and he would keep quitting any job he had. I was also preparing to go to a local college. I was determined to do it all though. After about a year of this, and some really crazy fights that became physical, I ended up just becoming numb to the life I was living now. I say physical, but the truth is, he was physically abusive. Between the physical and mental abuse and torture, he wore me down. I knew I deserved better. I knew he was lying every single time he told me that he would never hurt me again. I also believed him when he told me he would kill me and think nothing of it. I won't tell every single time he beat me, but one of the times I truly thought he was going to murder me. I had been at home with our baby boy while he was out with friends or whatever he was doing. It was a pretty good night. I enjoyed being a new mom and I would liked the time away from the guy. It was relaxing. I'll refer to him as asshole. Well, asshole came home later this winter night and he had brought a friend with him. I knew the friend, but not too well. They came in the house and everything seemed to be going okay. But I noticed that asshole was being a little sarcastic with his tone towards me. It was a fake nice and sarcasm. They usually came before he wanted to start a fight. I then prepared for him to start arguing. I thought that his friend being there would be a safety net of some sort. Boy was I wrong. I made sure not to do anything to make him mad. I stayed close to my little boy and let him and his friend just hang out, talk and drink and whatever they were doing. I couldn't pinpoint exactly what caused him to snap that night, but he did. It was the worst I had ever seen him. He wanted to fight me. He screamed in my face that he was going to beat me like a man, all while I was holding our baby. 
His friend followed him, or at least not standing too far away from him. I tried to run, but he blocked me before I could get away. He told me he was going to kill me. I saw his friend just standing there, panicked. I handed him my baby and then said, please don't let anything happen to him. The moment my baby was in his friend's arms, I felt my hair being ripped out of my head. Asshole began kicking and hitting me. I got away long enough to make it to the living room where our landline phone was. I dialed 911 and right as I hit the third, he picked me up and then slammed me down on the ground. He slammed the phone down to hang it up and then cracked me on the face with it. I thought for sure that that 911 call didn't go through. He began hitting me so hard and choking me that I was blacking out and seeing stars as my head spun like crazy. I looked at his friend and I begged him to go get help. He just stood there, scared to death. Asshole then told him if he did, he would kill him. I understood in that moment that his friend was truly just as scared and didn't know what to do. I wasn't mad at him for not helping. I was just really thankful that he was protecting my baby. I knew this was going to be it. Asshole was going to kill me like he often said he would. He would have no remorse just as he promised. I wasn't about to make this easy on asshole. I fought back. Harder than I'd ever fought back before. He was on something, which I later found out. So his strength was definitely not something that I could match. Not to mention he was about 100 pounds bigger than me. But I was a mom who wanted to live to see my baby grow up. As he hovered over me, hitting me in the head and choking me, I grabbed his balls and twisted and pulled. It didn't phase him. He was so high. I was tasting blood and feeling so numb. He was beating me so bad that I wasn't even hurting anymore. Maybe it was the adrenaline in the moment. I don't know. But suddenly, the hit stopped. I no longer felt my head getting bashed in. But weirdly enough, I heard a pounding. He got off of me. And for a split second, I didn't know what was happening. I wasn't even sure if I was still alive at this point. Finally, I stood up as he told me to be quiet. The pounding was the police knocking on our door. The 911 call had been an open call and the entire fight was heard. Asshole answered the door and he told me to stay back. He started to tell the police some story about the baby just crying. I stepped in the view of the officer who looked at me, and he immediately threw asshole against the outside of her home. The rest seemed to happen so fast. Asshole was being arrested, and an officer was talking to me and taking my statement. One of the cops told me then I had one of the worst injuries he had ever seen a person have and still be alive. Asshole had hurt me so badly that he had beat a hole into my lip where I couldn't even have a drink without the water going through. He called me from jail. And the exact words he said to me was, Why did you do this? He really wasn't even sorry at all. He didn't even lie to me this time and pretend that he was. I left him. He was eventually sentenced to 26 days in jail. He never served them because he moved to another state before he could be arrested. He managed to find me and stalk me, but I'd stayed strong and stayed away from him. Eventually... He had moved on to his next target. I have truly felt so much guilt over this, but the next woman was beaten and choked too. 
but she wasn't just beaten, she was also choked to her death. He took the life of someone, and I'm sure he thought nothing of it, just as he always said to me. I know deep in my heart that if I hadn't walked away, it would have been me he killed, but I'm so sorry to that woman's family. He's in prison now, probably feeling no remorse at all, but hopefully he's getting justice served to him in other ways. I'm just so glad that I actually got away from him. In October of 2019, I was reunited with my ex. I'll call him Derek for the sake of this story. For six years prior to that, a part of me had regretted breaking up with them, so I was really ecstatic and looking forward to picking up where we left off. Yes, I realized this was extremely naive and short-sighted of me. As a result, against the advice of every important person in my life, I jumped on the first chance to move to a new city with him in January of 2020. We rented a cute two-bedroom duplex in an urban part of southwest Washington and settled into the idea of fulfilling the one-year lease that we signed. I was new to the area, and he had all the information on events in the area. Where to find the best food, where to hike, and so on. A part of me truly believed that no matter what the nature of our disagreements happened to be, we were both mature enough to keep the peace. Well, this mentality lasted about a month, and I can pinpoint exactly when it all fell apart. Derek had a knack for locating live music events, festivals, etc. And after two weeks of peacefully living in our duplex, he found an event in Portland, Oregon. It was a Middle Eastern dance party at a basement bar, and I'd spent a week looking forward to it. I was so distracted by putting our new home together and the fact that I'd landed an extremely attractive partner then I'd forgot all about the fact that Derek was also extremely possessive, jealous, and paranoid. He didn't have a car, so instead of taking an Uber or Lyft, I drove us to the venue. We arrived at about 9pm, and he immediately began paying for round after round of drinks. We danced and generally had a really good time for about an hour or two. The venue was packed, and the acoustics made it difficult to communicate while the music played. At some point, I needed to find a restroom, and I told Derek that I would be back in a few minutes. I walked up the stairs of the basement bar and onto the main level, quickly locating the ladies' room. There was a line in front of the door, and it took me approximately 15 minutes to do my business and then head back to our event, very eager to continue dancing. Derek had left our booth in my jacket, but he hadn't sent me a text or called to let me know that he was going to do so. Having crossed the line from tipsy to drunk, I sat down in the booth and waited for Derek to come back. Ten minutes later, still no Derek. I felt my phone vibrate in my purse, and I discovered that Derek had left me a voicemail. A feeling of dread washed over me as the memories of his jealous temper came flooding back. I also remembered asking him to hold my car keys, as my purse was full and I wanted to dance. While I wouldn't have attempted to drive at that point, I had a feeling that he was no longer at the venue. Two and a half hours in, I was ready to leave the crowded basement bar and head home. Keen on listening to Derek's voicemail, I walked back upstairs and I stepped outside into the brisk night air 
and proceeded to play Derek's voicemail. It said something to the effect of, Hey, so I saw you eye-fucking that guy. Have a nice time dancing, and good luck with finding a way home. Not. And then he hung up. I was dumbfounded by Derek's abrupt tone and the random nature of his accusation. I had no idea who he was talking about, and quite frankly, making moony eyes with strangers simply isn't something I do, intoxicated or otherwise. Furthermore, no one had ever just taken my car before that night. There I was, significantly intoxicated and standing around the outside of a venue that was located in a part of Portland that was less than safe. I must have been swaying at some point, because I can recall two strangers stopping to ask if I was alright. I had my phone in my purse, but no way to account for my car or unlock the door to our duplex. Either way, I knew that I didn't want to stay at the venue until last call, and I proceeded to request an Uber. I can recall telling my Uber driver about what had happened on my way home. Fortunately, the driver was genuinely concerned for my well-being and said, You realize that you could report your car stolen, right? Did he specifically say that he was driving back to your place? That's totally unacceptable. Yeah, you're right, I said. I just hope he didn't lock me out of the house. And I hate to ask, but would you mind waiting a couple of minutes while I try to get back in? Sure, no problem at all, he said. We pulled into my poorly lit complex, and I quickly discovered that Derek had stolen my car and locked me out of the house. It was at that point that I was just starting to sober up, and knocking on the front door yielded no results. Out of sheer fury, I climbed over a bush, popped the screen off the living room window, and discovered that it was unlocked. I waved at the Uber driver to let him know that I'd been alright from there, and then I slithered into the living room, where Derek sat on the couch, staring straight at me. My car keys were sitting on a shelf right next to the window. It was as though Derek had left them there just to taunt me. I picked them up and then threw them on the floor, yelling, What the fuck, dude? What happened? Uh, didn't you get my voicemail? Derek sneered. I'm sure you hooked up with that guy in the bathroom, so I decided to go home. What guy are you talking about? I yelled. Derek was never able to describe the man in question. I even unlocked my phone and tried to hand it to him, telling him to scroll through as many texts and emails and messages as he wanted. He refused to take the phone, and I went straight to bed, sequestering Derek to the couch. He played many mind games similar to that after that night. Needless to say, we didn't make it as roommates for more than another two months. Mask mandates were established in March 2020 for our area, and he actively refused to comply with them, which left me feeling incredibly uneasy. Following several additional incidents, a call to the cops, and Derek intentionally taunting and leaving my indoor cat outside, I told him that I wanted him to leave, and that I'd be fine with paying rent on my own. In April 2020, three months after signing our 12-month lease, Derek moved out, and I was finally able to breathe a sigh of relief. Hindsight is usually 2020, and I certainly feel that way about the scenario. For several months, I kicked myself for moving in with Derek as quickly as I did. But the important thing is that I learned from my mistakes. I eventually met my fiancé, and we dated for more than a year before moving in together. 
but I hope someone reads this and takes it into consideration before succumbing to the allure of moving to a new city with someone they're not compatible with. And on a final note, Derek, should you ever see me again, I really hope you've gotten your life together in some capacity. But please, don't ever approach me again. So to start this story out, I'd like to give some context. When I started my undergraduate degree, within a few weeks, I had received a DM from a beautiful out-of-my-league girl in my program asking me to dinner. Let's call her Abby. I had never really been hit on by girls in the past, so I was shocked and I quickly accepted. Abby and I got dinner and hit it off pretty well. And to make a long story short, we started dating after a few hangouts and such. I feel like most people go through a relationship in college where the partner is totally crazy and toxic. This was no exception. She would do really weird things while we hung out. For example, one time she told me she was going to call a friend to talk to them, and I found out shortly after that it was an old ex-boyfriend of hers. She convinced the guy over the phone that she wanted to get back together with him, only to then say, Nah, just kidding. I have my boyfriend right here beside me. She really enjoyed messing with her exes in this way. I guess to make herself feel wanted or whatever. Why I didn't end things here, I have no idea. I never really had luck with girls in high school, so I guess I was desperate. Anyways, after a short while, we broke up after I found out she was only dating me because apparently I looked very similar to and had the same hair as a boy from her town who this she had a long time crush on. We were 18 at the time, and this kid was 13, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, now to the main story. Every so often throughout the years following our breakup, I would get texts from unknown numbers that I could only imagine was her and her new boyfriend. Not the kid, by the way. I would try to do a reverse phone number to check, and it would always come up as either a landline or unknown. Since you can't text from landlines, I had her number blocked. She was probably using one of those programs that lets you bypass a blocked number by then changing the number the text or call comes from. Abby would mess with me a lot. One time she claimed to have a friend during freshman year who she would get notes from in class. The friend told me that they had been messing around when she was dating me and he found out shortly after that he had contracted an STD. My dumbass fell for it. So just to be safe, I had to go to my pediatrician, who is also a member of my church and has known me since birth. I hadn't switched doctors yet, and I went to get an STD test. Talk about embarrassing. It came back negative, of course, so it was all just a con to get me to freak out. Mostly I would just brush it off, when who I thought was Abby would text me and not entertain it after a while. It became routine every few times a year, and I would immediately delete the text convo and block the number. However, in one instance, she took it too far. I had been dating a new girl for a few years, and things were really serious between us at this point in our relationship. Let's call her Clara. One day I got a text from a number saying they had matched with Clara on Tinder, and they saw me on her Instagram as her boyfriend, so he was doing me a favor by letting me know. Let's call him Bob. 
I already thought the story was off because how could this random guy get my number just by seeing me on her Instagram? It wasn't a DM, it was a text message that he sent me. Bob sent me screenshots of the profile with multiple pictures of my girlfriend, one of which I hadn't seen of her before with her in a bikini and even a tender conversation that went on between them. It went something like this. The screenshots included details of her house along with the same address that I knew belonged to her. They also were there for sure at some point. I know this because the number also sent me a picture of them waiting in a car outside the house. At first, I started getting really upset and freak out because I thought it was real. How could anyone fake a Tinder profile like this and know all of that information? I had never used Tinder before, so I wasn't really familiar at all with the app. It had to be real. However, when examining the screenshots further, I noticed something odd. In one of the screenshots, Bob had sent a text saying, Okay, bet. But the text bubble was way too long for the short message. I asked a friend if I could test out this theory, so I made a fake Tinder and we matched. I then proceeded to send a short message, and sure enough, the text bubble didn't stretch out further than the message. I then started to look up templates for fake Tinder accounts online, and I then noticed one that had the exact same time, battery percentage, and carrier that the person's screenshot had. This basically confirmed it was fake, but here's where it gets even worse. I blocked the number, and I then sent the screenshots to Clara. She started freaking out, and then called me right away. She started asking me who sent that to me, while also insisting that it was fake. She had no history of cheating or anything, so I knew to trust her, especially with all of the evidence that pointed toward it being fake. She told me that the first photo used in the profile had been something that she uploaded to her best friend's Instagram story over a year ago. This means that this sicko had been planning this for over a year, and how they got access to her best friend's Instagram, I'll never know. You have to manually add someone to that list in order for them to see it. What makes it even creepier is that she had only just moved into that house a few months before I got the texts. Somehow Bob had found out Clara's address and had actually drove there to see what kind of house she lived in. I researched online and found that most of the time, if you want to find someone's address based on their name, you have to pay a small fee to a service online. The fact that Abby went to these lengths just to try and sabotage my relationship still sends shivers down my spine. Clara was also super freaked out for a while, and rightfully so, and she was really scared to stay in that house. She ended up bunking with her dad in his house for a while after this. We haven't been together in over a year now, but I really hope she hasn't received any more contact from Abby. As for me, I still get the odd text every now and then, usually insisting that it's a former lover of my old girlfriend from when we were dating. Yeah pretty damn creepy.